0: Yet another edition of What's Involved It Is. Good to have you along with us. Uh, i got a special guest. Um, I'm his namesake, he's my namesake, not entirely sure, but uh, Dave Nemeth, uh, the founder and CEO of Trend Forward. Hello, Dave. David, good to hear from you. How are you doing? All right, all right. Um, In the beginning of this whole uh, sort of lockdown and change your life thing, um, I I was very hesitant about... uh, this work from home thing, and, and me having to, to literally do my radio show from home and then submit it to a radio station so that we can listen to it tonight. It was very weird. Um, but I, I'm, I'm getting used to that. I'm getting used to that. Um, you obviously have been through some of the same things, and we're going to be talking about that uh, during the course of, of, of this chat. Uh, let's start off, though, with uh, who is Dave Nemeth? That tricky question that always comes first,
1: so in a nutshell, <laughs> um, I was in retail for many years. I initially studied design and for my sins, ended up in retail with one of the the big retailers of the day, who unfortunately are not trending so well at the moment. Um, after years in retail and having gone into the trends direction. I decided to go out on my own and start consulting to companies. So we were doing a lot of trend research at that point in time. And I decided to use that trend research and actually assist companies with doing things differently. And that started off great. I mean, it has been a long journey. But during that course, we started bumping heads with traditional ad agencies because we would come up with these um, phenomenal strategies and directions, and everything would be passed by the board. And then it would come time to communicate this to the clients, uh, clients, to their customers. And the ad agencies would very much use a cut-and-paste kind of methodology. And I'm being a bit generalist here, so it wasn't all of them, but the majority didn't quite understand where we were coming from. And it was at that time where we decided, you know what? We come from a design background. Let's actually put together our creative team. And for those clients that want it, they can actually have us with a full 360 kind of solution. So at this point in time, we consult to companies. I still do a lot of the trend reports and speak at a lot of conferences, but we're able to offer our clients a full sort of turnkey service where we do across the line stuff. So from video to social media, to web design, to you name it. And that's it in a nutshell.
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, see, <laughs> I see you've recently gotten some, uh, some uh, 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 sort of recognitions and all sorts of things, and, and you specialize in uh, innovation and design thinking. Um, so you've got a, what is it, what is it called? Is it a, is it a, a, a postgraduate diploma? Yes, it's a postgraduate diploma that I've just
1: recently completed. Um, we've been working along, well, we've been working with the design thinking methodology for some years now, and I was doing a lot of research on it on my own. Um, the last few years have been very difficult to actually get any form of qualification in it locally. That is changing. So I decided to look abroad. And I did a fantastic postgraduate diploma through three international business schools, um, MIT, Tuck, and the third one uh, always leaves me. Uh,
0: It's okay. You don't (laughs) mind. I mean, you've obviously got a lot of stuff that you've you've sort of crammed into that brain. But you, you used to do mainly retail, has that changed um, over the last little while? Do you you deal with other businesses or do you still focus mainly on the retail sector? No, we're still
1: involved with retail from a trend perspective and I write for a lot of publications um, on the retail scenario. But what we realized during our adventure and our journey is that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you're in the medical field or whether in the car business, at the end of the day, you're dealing with people. And once you understand those retail methodologies, it's the same everywhere. So we've got clients on our books that are in a medical industry. We have air conditioning guys. We have a company that does um, air travel. So exceptionally
0: diverse. Okay, all right that 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 kind of it, it makes sense, but explain to me just briefly, and then we'll start getting into a bit of the meat and potatoes of, of what you do but but what is somebody that that does uh, trends do you do you sort of um is this like a futurist or is there, is there, is there more science to this? How does this trend thing work?
1: So I always say to everybody, you know, I wake up in the morning and I look into my crystal ball and then I just put out whatever's out there. And I think there's a lot of uh, terms out there. People are calling themselves futurists and trend forecasters. And it's a lot of what we do, but I don't particularly like the term. So what we do, every single business owner or any senior person in a business should be doing. And what that entails is looking at what's happening all over the world across all different industries. So it doesn't matter if you're involved in retail, understand what's happening in the car business, understand what's happening in the IT world, understand what's happening in politics, economics, at a top view. And what starts to happen, it's like a jigsaw puzzle you start to get these threads running through, these commonalities running through a variety of different things. And if you go back and it's obviously very, very important to understand the history as well, what has happened in the past. And then you're able to make a calculated guess as such as to the general direction in which things are going and how you have to adapt in order to future-proof your business. Um, you know, we're not looking at 2050. We're not, we've sort of read up on it and we have an idea of where technology will be then, but it's over the next five years, over the next six years, over the next seven years. And as I said to you, it takes a lot of time, but it's something
0: that every single business owner should be doing. And I'm I'm guessing just from some of the stuff that that I've read um, that you've posted online, and I'm guessing a lot of them, particularly some of the big corporates, are not doing this kind of thing. Um, and it certainly is is one of those things. And and I'd like to talk about that a little bit uh, when we come back. You know, the, the this whole concept of, but that's the way it's always been done. Um, oh, and, don't and you just love that term? <laughs> I, I I sort of you know, and I think it was possibly uh, Tony Robbins who said it, is that we do things for two reasons. We're either moving towards pleasure or away from pain. Um, I don't know how much pain some companies need to take before they catch a wake up. And then when they catch a wake up, it's, it's kind of this absolute panic. And I'm sure you're going to be able to tell me some stories about panic and things that have happened. Um, so we'll talk further about this when we come back. It is what's involved. My special guest is Dave Nemeth. And we're back. What's involved with uh, Dave? And I got it wrong before the break. It's Nemeth. Okay. I, I just want to call <laughs> you Nemeth because I don't know, but it's Dave Nemeth. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Trend Forward. Um, just before we, 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 we went into the break, Dave, um, I spoke to you briefly about, and, and I was saying, you know, there's these people panicking. Nobody wants to change. It's always been done this way. Um, I, I was very guilty of that. I mean, I was one of the staunchest, and I've been in radio, sure, since the Dead Sea was only critical, um, but uh, <laughs> I've always done this whole bums in seats. Radio only works if it's live, bums in seats, and I used to insist um, on having guests in studio with me, and that it was the only way to do it, and then along came 2020, and I didn't have a choice. Um, has that happened? I think it has for, for most businesses that they, have, they stuck. I mean, they, they don't know what to do.
1: Yeah, unless you were a retailer selling groceries and, and those kind of items. And, and even then they had other products that they couldn't sell in the beginning. Life has changed for absolutely everybody in the business world. Um, some for the better, for those that have been able to adapt. And unfortunately, as you said, there are too many bigger companies, and and it's normally the bigger companies because they're so tied up with so much red tape. And there's the phrase going, you know, it's very difficult to steer a big ship. And you might have some people within that organization that want change, but often right at the top, there's this fear, a fear of actually failing. And I think this is what's hindering 90% of the change within large corporates. And we tend to say, you know, exactly to your point, you can't continue doing things the way you've always done them. But these guys are comfortable doing that. They don't know better. And I think we need to adopt a totally different mindset, especially in these larger corporate organizations, where failing is not a bad thing. Rather, and we're not talking about massive fails here, but we're talking about testing things on a continual basis and getting the results from them. Things that are not going to tank your business or cost you absolute millions. But continual testing, let's try this. Let's see what the response is to it. No, that didn't work. It failed. Let's try something else. Unfortunately, that's not happening. And many of the guys running these big organizations, and I'm not going to say guys, but the teams that are running these big organizations are almost waiting for somebody in their industry, or both either locally or internationally, to do something amazing so that they can follow. And, you know, in many industries, I mean, even if we take the retail industry internationally, it's become stagnant. There's very little innovation that's happening even locally. We've been incredible with our banking, where we've our banking sector has led worldwide, globally for years. We come up with the most incredible innovations. I just wish other businesses could take the lead, and instead of sitting back and saying, "Well, let's wait for the next big thing," or "Let's see what so and so does because they're the biggest," is actually get down, get new leadership in. Which is also a problem because in many of these companies, we find guys that have been sitting there for 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, even 10 years, I believe is too long for a CEO. It should be five to eight years maximum.
0: And you should have fresh blood in continually. Wow. That's going to that's gonna upset some, some senior people. It is.
1: But I mean, if you have a look at the Harvard reviews and these kind of things, uh, these kind of reports that are continually coming out, you cannot remain innovative in a company for years and years and years and years anymore. We're not saying mm-hmm. step down from the company, go onto an advisory board or whatever it is. But we need to be bringing up fresh leadership continually. And I, I firmly believe 10 years is ample. Um, do change, do good in a company, and then bring fresh blood in through to the top
0: Listen, I think it takes it takes a, a very mature person um, to go, all right um, I've given what I can, and now we need, uh, we need to get this fresh blood in. Um, in my experience, even you know when it comes to, to sort of the top tier of management, um, they're not very keen in general, there are exceptions, but they're not very keen on uh, looking um at their staff as a resource for innovation ideas uh, trying to do things differently that, that that seems to be you know do as i say end of story i know and there's a lot of lip service out there i mean if you have a look at some of the top leadership at the moment they'll go
1: on linkedin and they'll speak about their innovation they will speak about what they're doing for their staff but then on the flip side go and speak to the staff and generally you'll get a completely different story coming out of them um the bottom line is the playing field has been leveled and it's been leveled even more so now than it was before. And drastic change is needed. The way the teams operate, the hierarchy in a company that has got to change. Otherwise you're just not going to get this innovation. You're not going to, first and foremost, you're not going to get the right company culture. And without the right company culture, Unfortunately, you cannot innovate. You, you cannot come up with fresh ideas. You cannot lead the pack.
0: Now, Dave, is this where you and your team come in? Do you come in? If, if companies go, okay, listen, we admit it, we're a bit stuck in the past, and we're stuck in the way things have happened. Can you and your team help us? Is, is that something that you do as Trend Forward? Very much so. So
1: sometimes it's on a smaller level um, with regards to projects or certain teams within an organisation. Um, otherwise, it's exactly that, where they say we've got a problem. We hopefully they're not about to close their doors because often that is too late for even us to assist them. You know, if the damage has been done, you can't suddenly turn a massive company around or, or a medium-sized company for that for that matter. But yes, that that is what we primarily do. And it's a process. You know, we, we go in and we try to understand that business 100%. And then we try to understand their competition, both locally and internationally, and try and establish what other companies are doing within that same sector. And then we look at businesses that are in complete other sectors and industries, because you cannot just look at your own industry to try and innovate. Um, We have a look at company culture, we have a look at company structure, and we we have a look at what they do on a day-to-day business. Is there anything that actually differentiates them from anybody else? And often that entails rewriting their story, Having to go back to basics and actually, and there's always three questions we ask senior members in a company and they sound very, very simple, but very few can actually answer them. The first one is, who are you? What are you? And why do you exist? And those are the three questions, regardless of the company that we're working with, we try to unpack before we do anything else. Because if you don't know who you are, what you are, and why you are, you don't have a foundation for anything going forward.
0: That is, that is a really, I think that's a set of three questions that would make a lot of business people sweat, because that's the kind of thing that you don't think about. I mean, you know, if somebody says, you know, who are you? What do you do? They would, they would not be able to answer it. Even thinking about it now, I'm going, geez, could I answer those questions? And, yeah, and, and they, honestly, could I? Very difficult questions. Yeah. Wow. I've just, I noticed one thing that, 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 I, that I do want to speak to you about um, is what size of company do you primarily like to deal with? And, and, and here I'm thinking because on the show and my passion is is obviously small and medium businesses and I will. I firmly believe they are the future of our country. And yes, we're always going to have these massive, big, heavy corporates. Um, and I always liken those to to the big uh, cruise liners or the big oil tankers. It takes them a long time um, to change course, change direction. Whereas us smaller businesses, um, and I'm going to use a very, very in this industry very overused word, but we we are more agile. We can bop and weave and duck and turn. Um, Who do you prefer dealing with? Who do you like to deal with? We target those
1: medium-sized businesses. Um, We certainly do work with corporates on certain projects. But some years back, having worked in corporate, having worked with corporates, we just found it was exactly to your point. We could put in all the effort, all the work, but the agility and the ability to be agile just wasn't there. So, we really do like those medium sized businesses we've even worked with certain startups we're busy with a startup at the moment, um, which is very, very exciting and we've worked with quite a few of them. but the medium sized enterprises is where we want where we play and and where we get the best results because those guys are hungry. Um, and there's no stopping them. You know, they, they prepared to test things. They prepared to have these little fails all the way along. They prepared to rewrite their story. It's not a case of, and, and going back to the three questions, the answer you will get from 90% of corporates when you ask them, who are you, what are you and why are you is they'll say, Oh, didn't you see our mission statement when you came in through the front door? And we, we've uh, yeah. done something recently and we've started photographing whenever we go to a big corporate company, their mission and vision and all that other stuff that's there that the typical MBA teaches you, you have to have, which no one in the company reads, no one in the company lives it. It's a waste of time. <laughs>
0: That is, that is a very brave and bold statement because I know, and I often, I, I think I feel exactly the same way as you do there. It's like this whole vision and mission thing for me is like, you don't live it, you don't do it, so why do you stick it up everywhere? Um, I was in a training a little while ago and I said to the guys, this is what you do and this is what your mission statement says. And they all looked at me and went, huh? Because nobody yeah. had, had, there's no, there's no culture of, of that kind of thing. But, Dave, listen, uh, there's so much more I want to talk to you about. When we come (laughs) back, we're going to talk more because uh, we haven't even touched on COVID yet and that impact. But uh, when we come back, I want to find out the kind of services that uh, you guys do offer companies. So we'll talk more about that when we come back. And we're back with what's involved my special guest, Dave Nemeth. Uh, He's the founder and CEO of Trend Forward. I've been reading through a little bit of an overview that I've got of, of you, Dave. And uh, before we get into this section, um, there's, there's a quote here. I mean, is this a, a Dave Nemeth quote? The only certainty in business today is the death of business as we know it. Is that it? Where does that yes, come from? Yes, it is. Is that a Dave Nemeth quote? Uh,
1: that, that's a Dave Nemeth quote. And we've had that... As a quote for some years now, so it certainly isn't something brought about by the advent of COVID. Uh, We've been had that sort of as what we believe in for many years.
0: Okay, that makes it. it, it, I find that fascinating because um, I, I do a lot in the communication and the sales sort of training field, and and you know even the whole how you sell and what to sell. When I first started out, I mean, I was handed a book. Um, Tom Hopkins, how to master the art of selling. And that was my right. introduction to, that was my, okay, I'm giving away my age here, but that was my introduction to selling. And that was like, you know, you've got to write thank you cards, et cetera, et cetera. And you do this a certain way. And to a large degree, sales has also evolved immensely. And yet the people haven't evolved along with it. The people in the, in the industry. So let's talk a little bit about the kind of services that that you guys offer. If I'm a mid-sized company, um, and and what would I come to you for? Why would I come to you? You'd come to us if you wanted to stick
1: out from the from everybody else in your industry. Okay, we are all about innovation. So you would come to us to, and and you'd probably be trading. Okay but you're worried about the future. How do you remain sustainable? How do you continue to increase market share? And where do you go to in the next four years, five years, six years? That is primarily why businesses would come to us. They would come to us and say, look, we need new clients. We need new market share. How do we do it? That is the starting point. Okay. Um, we do get other companies that come for specifics, but generally that is how a company would contact us and say, come and speak to us. Come and look at our business. What can you do for us?
0: All right. We and then, then, and go, then, yep. Sorry, Dave. Okay, carry sorry, on because Dave. I want to I find out the kind of services and, and things because it looks like you offer a whole bunch of stuff. So I want you to tell me how this all figures in there. So please continue. Okay. So what we then
1: do is go in and start understanding the business, okay? We would look at every single touch point that they have as well. So we look at the staff and company culture. We look at all the red tape and all the sort of the way they do things, okay? Whether it's, yeah, as I said, from the red tape, the procedures, the policies, and we question that. We then have a look at what this brand looks like to the end user, whether it's B2B or whether it's B2C. We need to understand that we have a very um, design-centric consumer. We're visual people. We don't read anymore. We like cool stuff. And we've seen this even in the aircon industry with clients that we have. We've made aircon companies look as cool as Nike, and they're seeing it on their bottom line. Wow. So... We then look at all those touch points and we say, guys, you need a refresh as far as it comes to website, for instance, or otherwise your website's perfect. Don't worry about it. Leave it. You don't need to spend a cent on that. Um, social media, um, training packs, sales tools are a big part of what we do. And we even say to people, you know, let's be honest, regardless of the industry that you're in, when you're doing a quote for somebody, they are getting another four or five, or maybe even six companies to quote. If that quote doesn't stick out and look amazing, you're already dead in the water. Then it's coming down to pure price. And I can promise you that not everything, and in not every industry that it's all based on price. We've assisted some of our companies do tender documents where they've put all the documents together. They've done all of that stuff. And then we've sent and created a video with it. And I can tell you now the reactions and and, and the hits that we've had because of those kind of little videos has been astronomical. Mm -hmm. We, We have won so many tenders because of the little extras that we've done that position this company as an authority. So I think that's key regardless of the company that we're working with, our aim is to position
0: them as an authority within their industry. Okay, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. But I mean, when, when, when you talk about doing that, because um, you, you talk talking, and I've seen you, you mentioned somewhere before, something called SIT, which is, um, I just thought that's great. I thought that was a great way for me to do things. I just get to sit. But it stands for systematic inventive thinking. What on earth is systematic inventive thinking? It sounds complicated. Okay. So it's
1: actually a system to come up with innovation. Now, many people think when you talk innovation and you talk design thinking and all these things that you can sit in a boardroom and have these sessions, these brainstorm sessions. In fact, I'm starting to hate that word brainstorm sessions And everybody sits there and everybody comes up with crazy ideas and we throw things around. And at the end of the day, there's some great ideas, but nine times out of 10, none of those ideas can actually be executed. And the reason is as follows. Everybody speaks about thinking outside the box, another pet hate of mine. (laughs) <laughs> Whereas true innovation actually happens inside the box. And this is where this SIT, Systematic Inventive Thinking, comes in. Because when you have X amount at your disposal, disposal, so you only have X amount of budget, you maybe don't have the latest technology. Maybe you have limited staff. Maybe you have limited resources overall. It's to put that on the table. And now starting to say, right, how do we do something differently with what we have? We're not going to invent a spaceship here because we don't have the finance. We cannot come up and invent new software because we don't have the finance at this point in time. But how can we innovate with what we have within this box? And that is where systematic inventive thinking comes in. And, okay. and, and following
0: that process and breaking things down. Now, Dave, in, in, in terms of the businesses that you have been dealing with, um, you know, are, are they starting to embrace the digital side of things? Because I know a lot of people, when you talk social media, you talk about their websites or, or even you know, go so far as to, to talk about digital strategies. I mean, I've, I've done some work with, with some big corporates. And when you try and research them and you look at their websites, you think to yourself, oh, my hat. All right, um, you know that that website was clearly designed and, and written in HTML sometime in the early 1980s. Um, <laughs> are they are they starting to to get, you know, get to grips with things? Uh, you know, it's just um, I, I remember one of the things that that um, I do quite a quite a bit of um, is I host and produce and and you know help people with with podcasts. Um, right. and I, I will host various podcast shows for various corporate entities, um, and just act as, as the anchor. When I started out doing this and talking to people about this, everybody looked at me and said, are you mad? That will never, ever work. Um, now, if you look at the, 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 the figures coming in from Europe and the States, podcasting is massive and businesses are jumping on it left, right and center. Where, where do we stand in, in terms of things like that in your experience? It's always a challenge. And that's why we try to tie everything
1: together. And we try to explain to the clients, you know, it's not about your website, you know, you've got a website with all the information on nine times out of 10 people are not even going to Google you anymore. The first port of call is they're going to go and do a search on LinkedIn, or they're going to do a search on Facebook to see what this company is about. And mm. that's what we try to explain to them is you're not going to get a ton of sales coming through Facebook. Facebook is all about the credibility though. And it's just another touch point. It's about building the brand across everything. You know, when I suddenly go look at this air conditioning company or this stationary company or this pharmaceutical company, and they've got a presence on Facebook, they've got a presence on LinkedIn, they got a beautiful, beautifully designed website that's intuitive and They've got all this stuff. Suddenly, there's credibility. It's yeah. not about, I'm going to get another sale on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. You see, this is, this is something, and I, and I think we both think the same way on this, is that you know, today's customer is way more advanced and, 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 and savvy than we give them credit for. And your customer today is going, what's in it for me? You know, The days of, of having a salesman with, a, with a, flip book, a flip folder that could show you pretty pictures, those are gone. I mean, most people will research the hell out of you or your company before they even start talking to you. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. It is
1: so true. And, and that's what we try to explain to them. Every touch point that you can possibly come up at has to look phenomenal. It has to position you as a leader and it has to position you so that they say, we want to engage with these guys. The other thing is, is not about pushing product. So there's got to be mm. – we spend a lot of time with the companies we deal with with regards to thought leadership and saying to them, write us an article. You know what? We'll send it to our proofreaders. Don't worry about the way you write it. Just give us interesting stuff the way you feel about the industry or about the company. Yeah. When yeah. you go to clients, don't go – what are you taking to clients? You know, what, what, what you expect your sales guys to sell – Are they just emailing them every day? Are they calling on them? Or do they actually use this age-old thing called a telephone that everybody has forgotten how to use nowadays? Because it's far too easy to just WhatsApp a customer and go, how's it? Uh, John here, you know, we've got this new product. And unfortunately, (laughs) this is the reality. People don't, we can do everything on a phone except pick it up and actually speak to that person firsthand.
0: Oh, and when I get those, those impersonal WhatsApp marketing messages, I have two oh. words and, and, and one of them is off. I got to tell you, it's like, it really irritates me. Dave, listen, I mean, it's fascinating chatting to you. We're running out of time again, which I say every <laughs> single show. Um, but I do want to talk when we come back about COVID and what COVID has, has, has forced you to do um, people like me to do. And, 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 you know, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Where are we going? When we come back, we're going to be wrapping up with uh, Dave Nemeth from uh, his, uh, look at me, I'm I'm losing it. (laughs) I I know the feeling. Train (laughs) forward. Oh, there's so many things in my head today, but we'll talk more about that. And it's a Monday. And it's a Monday, David. Yeah, You know what, that's one of the things that business owners, particularly small business owners, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, because every day is a work day. But we'll come back, we'll chat more, we'll wrap it up with Dave Nemeth from Trend Forward. And we're back, wrapping it up. Okay, Dave, the big one, everybody's wondering about this, one of the reasons I wanted to chat to you. Um, you were going in one direction uh, with Trend Forward, and, and you were you were presenting yourselves in one way, and then COVID is, has hit all of us. You've done some, some very big, you made some very big changes because now you've got, uh, it's Trend Forward. Is it Trend Forward Digital now? Trend Forward Virtual. Trend Forward Virtual. So, so TF you've Virtual is the new entity. Yeah, so now you've literally t- turned everything on its head and you've put a lot of stuff online now? Yeah, so what we did in a nutshell was... As
1: COVID hit, obviously everybody was affected. So we had very good clients who were in the events industry. Suddenly, you know, retainers and things like that were halved. You know, we had half the business, we had the clients, and we we decided to keep on with a lot of the clients who couldn't pay because without the services we give, it would just be even increasingly more difficult for them. But we realized that we had to do something vastly different. And I hate to use the word because it's so overused, but we had to pivot, which didn't mean that we rushed out and started selling PPE like a lot of people did. And and, and they did it out of desperation and understandably. So what we did was we basically unpacked everything that we were good at. Who are we as a business? What are the strengths in our staff? Where is the, the, the future headed? We also realized that everybody thinks some of the services that we provide, like social media and web design and those kind of things, are so easy. So (laughs) a million people started offering these services at next to nothing. And I like to reiterate the fact that, you know, you get what you pay for. But understandably, there was panic. So what we started doing was we looked at the industries that were worst hit, and that was obviously the conferencing uh, sector, which I am involved in, and I lost a massive uh, uh, deal with uh, one of those um, conferences, Mm. the events industry, and I started creating virtual exhibitions, virtual events, which are really interactive, really easy to use great looking full of graphics and something that is completely different. And we started presenting this. I mean, it took us literally from the start of lockdown, it took us a good three months to get the product out. And we were presenting both locally and internationally. And we've started signing some really substantial deals through this new platform. Um, We've then added the 3D element to it as well. So we're currently busy with certain clients doing actual virtual showrooms, which you walk through, look at their product, click the product, you get a 3D version, you can look at it, you could order it online, you could get the information about it, but really futuristic kind of stuff, and we're able to do it affordably and further on to that what we've also added into the assortment is something that we refer to as interactive video because we know everybody likes to watch video as opposed to reading heaps of text and Mm -hmm. and video is so important in marketing and, and communication nowadays the difference with our videos is the video starts And then it pauses. And then there's two buttons or three buttons or four buttons that go up. And the easiest way to explain it is imagine a journey. And then it says, would you like to go this way into your journey? Or would you like to go that way? And you click a button and it takes you in a totally different direction to what it would had you clicked the other button. And then it pauses again. And then it says, okay, this is where you're at. Would you like to go this way or would you like to go that way? (laughs) So... Fantastic. Wow. Okay, That's quite a new thing. And, um, that mixed with the virtual offering, it's definitely differentiated us. And, you know, there's people out there doing bits of this and bits of that, but we've kind of pulled the whole bunch together, um, And many hours, I mean, yeah, I've been up, I I get up at three o'clock every single morning and I leave the office at six. It's been like that Saturday, Sunday, since the start of lockdown, but it's been worth it because we've actually been able to come up with something that we believe is a pivot because it's not vastly different to the offering that we were doing before.
0: Now I, I, I hear you when you talk conferencing, you talk events companies. Um, a, a good friend of mine um, owns a company called MJ Eventgear. Um and and that's just one of of many many of these companies that uh, they they that literally are just closing. I mean, you know, people are closing left, right, and centre, and I, I I feel for them. Those are the kind of people that you know you really wish you could help, but unfortunately uh, we can't help all of the people, where do you think, um, as we as we wrap up now, where do you think um, we're going to be going now with, with COVID? Because it's not going to leave us. Uh, you know, people are saying, yes, infection rates are down. And, and I've spoken to a lot of people, that, yes, can't wait to get back to normal. I don't think there's going to be a normal. And I don't want to use the term new normal, because that also irritates me these days. But, yes, but agreed. Where Where do you see us going? Are we going to be going more virtual, more online? We don't have a choice. And we've actually
1: been saying this to companies for many, many years. And the interesting thing is, if you look at one example, if you take the events industry, the events industry, have a look at the reports over the last five years. Let's forget about it closing down completely because of COVID. But the events industry has been complaining bitterly over the last couple of years that numbers are down, Things have to change, um, even exhibitions. They were speaking about virtual exhibitions as an add-on to the exhibitions they were doing five, six years ago. But nobody moved on it because nobody else had moved on it. So it was that whole scenario about we don't need to innovate. We just continue doing COVID hits and says, well, guys, that's your, your chance is up. Um, boom. Industry closed for a while. But we forget to realize that a lot of these industries, like retail, they 'd been complaining bitterly prior to this. This was just you know the the, the the big sword that shut everything off. But in many instances, a lot of those businesses were bleeding for the last four or five years they, they hadn 't innovated, and now they 're forced to if you You have to look at things differently, we have to be more virtual, we have to take things online. But having said that, this is the time to have a personality to your brand, to reach out, because we need to personalize again. We need to have that personal interaction. And that's why I'm so adamant about saying have your virtual meetings, have whatever, but pick up the telephone. When you send a quotation out, mail the quotation. But if that person is in the area, get in your car. Put it in an envelope and hand-deliver it to the reception if they're still working in an office or wherever they're working from. Because let me tell you something, you will be remembered.
0: Yeah, yeah, very true. Very true. Um, Dave, we're, we're about out of time. Before we wrap up here, um, what, if, if somebody's looking just for some advice, just somebody to chat to. They've got a business, maybe it's not quite the size of, 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 of that, that is your ideal. Would you be prepared to talk to these people? Are there resources they can access via you guys? Absolutely. So, just to put that,
1: I am an approachable person. Um, we had tons of Zoom meetings during COVID, where it wasn't our aim to even get business out of people. It was simply a chat, a discussion. We've also invested um, in some training material, which is fantastic, which is a recap. And we actually invested in it um, for our clients, for our existing clients. And we've made that available free to anybody that wants it as well. It's a very top-level thing, but things we've forgotten in business, the basics, okay? It's certainly not a Harvard degree, but th- anyone can go to our website, reach out. I'm on Facebook and more than willing to have a chat.
0: Wonderful stuff. Dave, before I let you go, what's, what's next for Train Forward? What's your next? So
1: we're focusing on what we've done at the moment. Um, I think a company has to be careful of continually adding to the assortment. So we've created these new platforms. We've created this new direction. I want everybody to focus on that and try perfect that to as much as possible before we move on to the next thing. So I do think we've leapfrogged the competition to a degree, but it's no good now going on to the next thing without perfecting this skill this art, and, and doing this. So I think as a company, and if you look at where we, we started, we are continually innovating, we're continually moving forward, but it's key to do it and then focus because we also see that with a lot of companies is they so concerned about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, that they never perfect the thing that could have been the good winner for them.
0: Wonderful stuff. Dave, thank you so much. Uh, The website address, if people want to go on there, want to get in touch with you?
1: www.trendforward.co.za. Trendforward
0: one word. There we go. Quick, easy, and simple. trendforward.co.za. Founder, CEO, Dave Nemeth, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, And I wish you all the best, mate. Thank you so much, David. And thank you for the opportunity. You've got a great show. Thank you. Always, always a pleasure. So that was Dave Nemeth. Uh, Check it out, trendforward.co.za. Wraps it up for this portion of the show. Before I go, one more thing. Thank you for listening.